I love about the armor of God is it wasn't like Paul being like, hey, you know, the kids ministry is going to need some some illustrations. Let's just talk about the armor. No, it's critical. It's vital to how we live. I want to mention this uh, before we read our text, and that is this. I'm going to be giving you some resources, some some books and some other studies that you can look into because it's impossible for me in 30 minutes to cover everything about the belt of truth. And uh, I love that our young adults group, if you haven't seen it yet, our young adults group launched their own um, study of the armor of God. And so you can find that uh, on our young adults page on, on our website and maybe jump in and keep up with them. But I love the devotion that we're taking to to really being committed to learn because that's what the scripture we're about to read says, like, you, you have to put on the full armor. It's not negotiable. Uh, we got to know to make it. And so going to be getting you some more resources later into the series, some things you can read on the side. But for today, let's jump into Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. This is where we see everything. I hope you definitely have it highlighted. I hope you have some notes around it already. I hope you're praying into it. Uh, But let's start with verse 10. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Last week, we talked about being in God's mighty power. And then it says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The devil still has schemes in this day and hour. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. There is still good and evil in heavenly. There's this battle still happening. This isn't just for the Old and New Testament. This is for our hour. Can I get an amen? Verse 13. Therefore, because of all this, we're aware of it. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you might be able to stand your ground. After you have done everything to stand, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The belt of truth is what we're going to take a look at. The the belt of truth. God wants you to know and understand that there is an equipping that needs to happen in your life on a daily basis. There is this preparation. You know, we do good things. Brush your teeth, please do. Put on deodorant, please do. There's a lot of like equipping you do to get throughout your day. Putting on this, 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 this belt of truth, this understanding of having truth is as important as anything else you do in the natural. We have a lot of belts uh, in life. You have fashion belts. You have somebody who gets a belt and it's, it's blingy, right? And it's a fashion belt and it's making a statement. We have cowboy belts, right? You got the cowboy who wears the big belt buckle and, you know, he's showing off, you know, that he's this cowboy. You, you have golf belts. I've, I've learned now that I'm back into golf. You know, you got to get the right golf belt and you got to look the part. And because if you, if you look the part, you feel the part and then you don't play the part. I can tell you that. But you got to get the golf belt. It's important. And then, and then maybe some of you, you put on a tool belt. You know, you, you get up and in your day, you're, you're putting a tool belt on because it helps you accomplish your task and your work. I flipped houses with my dad in between ministry seasons. And so as we're flipping these houses, he brings me this tool belt. He's, he's showing me the way, you know, he gives me this tool belt. I'm like, dude, that, this thing is amazing. Like, this is so smart. I can put my Pop-Tart here and a Mountain Dew here. Like, this is going to be a good day. So maybe a tool belt for you. Maybe in sports, you're like karate. You're, you do karate or something like that where you can achieve a different belt. That's a belt that you would put on. Or maybe in sports, we see, I think even last night, the heavyweight championship boxing uh, belt. It changed. It changed hands. And so it was an accomplishment belt that you could put on. But there is nothing more important that you could put on in terms of any kind of belt than the belt of truth, especially in the hour that we live in this time. 
Paul is writing from prison. This is where we get Ephesians 6. He's writing to the church of Ephesus. And at this time, it's possible that he might have even been seeing a soldier wearing all of these pieces. So as he's writing to us, he's saying, hey, uh, here is what you need to do. Here's how you need to prepare. And he starts with the belt, which is interesting because if you're trying to get somebody's attention, wouldn't you be like, I see this sword. You might mention the sword first. Oh, I see this, this shield and it's incredible. I see this. And he says the belt. And the reason he says the belt is because it's the perfect thing to say first, because the belt anchors and secures everything else. This belt of truth is the core of everything else. Uh, if you look at a picture of the armor and somebody wearing the armor, it's pretty easily missed because you have all the other big pieces. The breastplate of righteousness, it's big, and you have the shield. It could be missed, but don't miss it because it's extremely critical, and it's the anchor to everything else. 70 to 80 pounds would be what one of these soldiers would have had to carry 12 to 15 hours a day. And the way that they were able to carry and anchor and support all of this armor is because they put on that belt, that belt that secured and held everything. Uh, Today, as I was thinking about preaching this sermon, uh, I was like, I want to give a good example of what it is to put on a belt that secures you and anchors you and stabilizes you. So then I thought, man, in this church, we actually have a lot of weightlifters. Uh, We have a guy, Eli, and his wife, Natalie. They own CrossFit Holland. Many of you know I've graduated from CrossFit. I don't have to do it anymore, but... But some people still do, and they run it. They actually had a big tournament yesterday, and a bunch of our people in the church went and competed in the tournament. And I know Kelly Cromeyer, who was in first service, I don't forget, I don't know who was on her team, but I know that she finished third overall in the area, did a great job. But there's an important piece when you're weightlifting that you would put on, and it's this belt right here. Now, I thought to myself, who should I ask? Maybe one of the CrossFitters, you know, like who's jacked? Who's about getting their gains? Like who's about into it? So I called Vanessa Scrotenborough, our children's director. <laughs> And I said, will you bring me your weightlifting belt? And uh, that's why it's purple. And, uh, and also because I don't have one. <laughs> but this is what this belt does. This belt is placed on you before you go into heavy lifting. Because it stabilizes your core. So essentially you're saying, I'm, I'm understanding that I'm stepping into something that's going to be intense. And it's going to be hard on me. And it's going to, be, it's going to fatigue me. It's going to pressure me. It's going to push me. But I gotta, I'll, be, I'll be good if I can put a stabilizing factor, a stabilizing force. If I can put this belt around me, I will be able to keep my core. You understand what I'm talking about today? So that's what God is saying. If, you can, if at your core you can stabilize yourself with truth, because truth in this hour is something else, isn't it? It's kind of, and so you've got to get this truth because it secures everything else. The, the, the soldiers would have known, if I, if I lose this belt, I'm going to lose all the other pieces. I wrote it down like this. The belt of truth stabilizes and strengthens our core. Truth is what stabilizes the believer during battle. Have you ever been in a situation where it all went wrong? Or you watch somebody's life and everything fell apart and it looked like the worst was happening and you're going and you think to yourself, how in the world could they make it through that? How can they still praise? How can they still give glory? How can they still do? It's because they went through something and they had belt of truth anchored to themselves and they had the ability to go through it. So they know I'm about to go through something heavy. I need the truth. God knew we would need a stabilizer. So he said, truth, I'm going to give you my truth. We're going to have God's truth. Uh, If you've ever been injured or had a surgery or maybe you went into physical therapy for some reason, everybody starts with, okay, 
We're going to get you back out there. We're going to get you back. But first, we have to work on your core. Core. We've got to strengthen your core because everything, your ability to stand up straight and bend and maneuver all happens if you have a strong core. My worry is churches aren't built on truth anymore. They're built on flash and flair and feel goods and no one has core anymore. No one believes that God still works in the miraculous and signed and wonders and can break chains. Are you with me today? Because we like to hear songs that make us feel good and the lights move. We don't have core anymore. We got to get back to having core. I thought about in this last season that we saw this last year and a half, COVID, politics, all the things. We lost our stability. Anybody see any unstable people in the last year and a half? <laughs> Don't point to them, gosh. What did we witness? We witnessed in times of warfare in the last year and a half and even where we are now, what we witnessed is people lost stability and went crazy. Why? Because we didn't have truth anchoring us at the core. And I believe that the people that are standing and taking ground, because people are standing and taking ground and pushing back the gates of hell, are the people that know God's truth. So it's fine if you know the songs, and it's fine if you know the preachers on their YouTube. It's fine if you know all that. But if you don't know God's truth, you're going to be unstable. If you have the truth, you have everything needed to stabilize yourself no matter the fight. We need truth. The definition of truth, truth is an objective standard, objective standard by which reality is measured. It's like funny that I even have to explain this in the hour that we live in. But here's the thing. There's such a thing as truth and there's such a thing as false. There is true and false. And we have to have a measure in which we can measure things. A standard, I mean, in which we have to measure things. And we know it's God's word. We know it's God's truth. So are you with me today? Yeah. Truth is not how you feel. Truth is not even what you believe. This is my truth. It's what I believe. Doesn't make it truth. Sincerity doesn't even make something true. I hear people all the time, let, let them live that journey. They're so sincere. That's their story. Well, it's not a good story. It's not true. In eternity, it's not going to work out well for them. Are you with me today? Truth is also not your experience. It's also not what happened to you. I see so many people, they're walking with the Lord, and, and they're doing what God's called them to do, and then they have an experience, and they go, God's not real. It's, it's not true. And they back up. Even your experience doesn't define truth. Can I get an amen today? You can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. We have to line everything up against truth. What is truth? And here's why we have to be aware, because the devil always attacks truth. The devil always attacks truth. We kind of talked about it a little bit last week, but here's the mission of the devil. He wants to come at the believer and unbuckle the truth. Why does he want to unbuckle the truth? Because everything else will fall. He'll make you unstable. He'll make you inconsistent. When you lose that belt of truth, you're going to lose everything that you're girded to fight in. Why do you think in the beginning? Genesis, the first tactic. I mean, you know, the, the devil shows up in the garden and he doesn't build an army. He doesn't put together a thing. He walks up to Adam and Eve and he starts to unbuckle truth. Has God really said because he's the deceiver. So has God, and he begins to unbuckle truth. Why? Because truth is everything for us. John 8 talks about the devil and his characteristic. It says this, 
he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. There's no truth in the enemy. There's no truth in the devil. There's no scenario where it could probably maybe work out a good deal with him. He's a liar, a deceiver, a destroyer. That is his plan. Are you with me today? So think about this, okay? This is like a little bit deep, but, but hang with me. If the sole purpose of the devil, the devourer, is to be anti-truth, and the scripture says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, then anti-truth is anti-Christ. Are we living in a world right now that's anti-truth? Something can be true and we call it not true. We are working so hard to scrub and censor and, and brush all of these things off places. Why? Because we're out to hide facts and hide truth. Are you with me? What we're seeing presenting itself is an anti-truth enemy that's out after this culture. But it truly, if you call it what it is, it's an anti-Christ culture that we face. Because we don't want truth. We don't want truth. And so we got to be aware of it. And so here's why it's so important to be in church. Let me just be your pastor for a second. I said that in first service and so dumb because like I wasn't the other 10 minutes. I wasn't over there. This is why church is so important. This is why the scripture says in the last days, don't forsake the gathering together of the saints. Be together all the more as the days are coming. Be together. Why? Because when we come here, we remind each other of the truth. See, worship isn't about you coming in and be like, wow, she's got an amazing voice. And she does, right? How many are grateful for Tiffany? Yeah. Oh, wow, she does so good. Oh, the lights, they inspire. Oh, that song is so good. That's... No, we're coming in here and we worship and give adoration. Why? Because we're coming in and we're resetting at the beginning of the week what is true in our life. Because we're in an anti-truth, anti-Christ culture. We got to come back in and speak what is truth and remind and encourage each other about what is truth. Truth is so important. So three points for you. We've got to look at these characteristics of truth, and, uh, and I hope it helps you. So this, this belt of truth, we want stability in our life at our core. So a few things we need to know. Number one is this. Truth is absolute. Write that down. Truth is absolute. I, I believe that there's still such a thing as absolute truth. We live in a time where we say, ah, oh, everything's relative. It all depends. You know? And we say things like, you do you. You live your truth. You have your journey. Whatever works for you. No, I believe there's an absolute truth. And I believe that it really matters, especially when it comes to eternity. And so truth is not whether you believe it or not. Truth is true whether you believe it or not. Uh, we talked about it in the past couple of weeks. It's like you can say, ah, gravity, ah, that's not my journey. I don't believe in gravity. That, that doesn't do. You're going to have a hard time jumping off that building. No, my journey, I'm going to be me. I can fly. Watch this. It's not going to be good. <clears throat> not going to be good. I think my kids, some of them think that. What are you doing up there? No, don't jump. Ah. The reality is it doesn't change the fact that there's gravity. It's the same thing in our life. There is an absolute truth. And whether you want to believe it or not or look at it or not, it's a reality. My concern is that Gen Z, Generation Z, one third of them believe this, that something can be true for you and not a truth for me. It's objective. It's whatever you want. You just decide whatever's true, whatever's good for you. And if we don't find our position, core, belt of truth, our core stable as a church, we're going to lose generations to this mess of you do you and you do you, whatever you think works for you. For something to be true, something has to be false. And we live in a culture when you tell somebody 
that they're wrong. Now I'm offended. You're canceled. You, that's not grace. We say that in church. That's not grace. Remember this, true love tells the truth at the deepest level. The highest form of love is when you can walk alongside somebody and tell them true truth. It doesn't make sense, right? But you know what I'm saying. The world, I believe, is unstable because we have no truth at our core. Charles Spurgeon tells us this. Discernment is knowing the difference between right... It, sorry. Discernment is not knowing... Discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. Discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. It's what Adam and Eve faced. Came in and said, almost right thing. We're in culture right now. They're trying to tell you something that's almost right. Almost right. No, no, no. The church really should be affirming. Affirming is a good word. It's a good thing. It's almost right. Maybe with me today. So we have to be aware. My concern is that we're mixing our preferences into God's truth. And, and I know this is going to step on a couple toes, but let me, let me love you this way. The world is looking for us to have this absolute truth, to be this anchor, to be this stable force in an unstable, untruth culture that we see. So the world is looking to the church to be the city on a hill, the light, to be all these things. And we start mixing personal preferences into what should be a declared truth. And so I'm concerned with some of the conspiracy theories that we spend so much time promoting as believers. We spend more time promoting and and pushing this conspiracy theory or this or I think this or we say things like they and them and all this stuff. And we start saying all this kind of stuff. Now, listen, I love a good conspiracy theory as anybody else, okay? But talk about it like at lunch with your buddy or have a coffee shop thing about it. But when we promote it online and then those things aren't true, it makes the church look really gullible. And the scriptures called us to be the head and not the tail. Well, how do you make sure you're the head and not the tail? You walk in absolute truth and leave your conspiracy theories for your husband or wife. Okay? Or me. Am I making sense today? It makes us look unstable when we get too goofy in some goofy things. And, and I understand we got to be aware of the time and the hour. And there's things that we got to be smart about. But, but I'm saying we got to just keep the truth at the core of everything. And here's the reality. If you keep preaching and promoting and speaking the truth, the truth is far stronger than any conspiracy theory you're trying to prove. Amen? Was that okay? Are you mad at me? Okay. Point number two. Truth can be known. This is such a crazy hour that we live in is because people are like, well, I don't know if anything's true. Everything is such a mess. Is there anything, is there any absolute truth? Is anything true? Can I count on anything? This next generation I just mentioned to you, they're being told and they're, they're witnessing two things. The first one is live your own truth. Make your own truth. The, the truth doesn't even need to be known because you can just make up your own truth. And then they're also seeing news networks create their own truth. You turn on this channel, that's whatever truth they want to say. You turn on this channel, it's whatever truth they want to say. We are forming a generation that's just saying, make your own truth. So where do we find truth? If they're making up their own and they're making up their own, where do we find truth? We always look back at the beginning. Anytime there's a crime scene or a car accident, they go, okay, we need to figure out what's true here, what truly happened. And so in a car accident, they back all the way up back to the beginning. Okay, who was at the light? Who was coming through the thing? Who, how, where did it all start? 
in a crime scene. I know you guys like your crime scene shows, you sickos. But you get everything back. You get everything back to where did it start? What was the first person to enter the thing? You go all the way back to the beginning. Isn't God so brilliant that he named the first book of truth Genesis? The beginning. You go back to who, who was at the beginning? Who is the origin? Where did it all start? Remember the telephone game? I'll tell you something. You tell another, another, another. By the time you make its way all the way around, it's all messed up. That's where we're living in this world. God said it. He started it. He, and we've gone round and round and round. We got to get back to the beginning, the alpha, the omega. Are you with me today? He's the truth. He's the truth. And God is the truth. I wrote it down like this. The only way to know truth is to know God. The only way to know truth is to know God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 says this, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways. But these days, uh, in the last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. Verse 3, The Son, uh, uh, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So God speaks through the prophets and he still speaks through prophets and God's word is still alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. Can I get an amen? But he speaks, he's speaking and, and he says through the prophets and Isaiah and all these different things. And then God's truth is then revealed to us through his son, Jesus, through Jesus. So we see Jesus display. Whenever you're wondering what's truth, you look at the example of Christ. Now, Jesus, this is amazing, is going to drive home how important truth at our core is. Think about this. We have this picture of Jesus. We think Jesus walked around with this white robe, some pretty nice Birkenstocks. He's carrying a sheep. He's got Pantene Pro-V hair. He's not saying anything crazy. But he gives us this in John 14 in verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Here's a guy, here's a man who's God, and he says to the world, I'm the only way and I'm the only truth. If you need to know anything about truth, you look at Jesus. Imagine it in our world if Jesus was here now and he comes out and says, I'm the only way and I'm truth. They would be like, cancel. Why? Because we live in a society that's like, do you, do this, do you, do your own thing. And Jesus is saying, no, I'm the only way, I'm the only place to find truth. Now, here's what's amazing. It's not offensive that he said that. Why? Because he loved us so much that he said, you've got to understand I'm the truth and I'm the way. Why? Because eternity matters. What a disservice he would have done to us if he would have known that he was the way, the truth, and life, and the only way to God. If you'd have known he was that, but then still walked around, do you, do you, grace, grace, do you. The boldness of truth out of him was amazing. Why? Because he is truth and he's the only way to the Father. Are you with me today? So it's this example to us of like, no, 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 he's the truth. He's the way. Anything we need to know is found in Christ. I wrote it down like this. If you follow me, Jesus is saying, if you follow me, you will always be in the truth. Jesus is truth. And I want to say it to you today. I don't care over time and how things evolve. Your friends might say, no, 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 this is okay. 
this is fine now. Or even churches that are starting to bow, you might hear them saying things and you say, oh, no, no, that church over there, they say that this is okay now. Or you might even see a million people, you got all these votes for it. No, 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 enough people voted for it. It's a truth now. No, it's not a truth. Does it line up with the person of Jesus? Are you with me today? Well, my family's always done it this way and it's how we've done it and it's always worked out. Is it a truth? Is it something you need to surrender to the foot of Jesus? I think we bring back WWJD. What would Jesus do? (laughs) That's what it all runs through. Would Jesus do it? Is it a truth? Would Jesus do it? Uh, There are way too many areas. Here's where I see us missing being the truth and leading. There are way too many areas. And I know I've been a little bit political this morning, but that's fine. But there's way, there are way too many areas in our life that we're more political than we are Jesus. We're way more our values of our party than we are the values of Jesus. No, I believe this because we, we got to believe this. No, I don't believe that because they believe that. We need to wake up every day and put on that belt of truth of like, what does Jesus think about this? What has God revealed to me about this? Are you with me? And one of the reasons I know that we have this lopsided, that we care more about our affiliation and our political preferences than we do Jesus, is because we spend more time watching the news than we do reading our word. We care more to hear what Tucker has to say about it than we do what God has to say about it in our word. We care more to hear about what Anderson Cooper has to say about it than any, are you with me today? We, we, we have to get to a point where I say, no, 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 my, my affiliation is God and his truth and his righteousness. Are you with me today? We got to think to ourselves, would Jesus post this? Would Jesus be in this feud right now on Facebook? The answer to that both is no, he would not on either of those. But I might join a few. The last point, <clears throat> and you're going you're gonna to love one, this one the most. Write this down. Point number three is truth hurts. Here's the thing with the truth is it hurts. It hurts at times. Truth hurts. And have you ever been in the situation where you're just, you're going about life, you're doing your thing, you're doing your best. And all of a sudden the group of people come up to you and they're like, Hey, we got to tell you this. There's just been this thing. And they tell you some stuff and you're like, Oh my gosh, I didn't know I was doing that. I'm sorry. And you're just, you have that feeling of just, ah, truth hurts. Truth hurts. Um, I grew up with a brother who's two years younger than me. You guys have heard me talk about my idiot brother before. He's an idiot. And uh, he lives in Grand Haven, and, and uh, we're good friends, obviously, of course, but that's what brothers do. But if you would have been around us growing up, uh, you would have heard a phrase come out of us very often as we're arguing and doing what brothers do. We would have got finally into a point where we've argued enough where somebody would have finally said, oh, yeah, well, look it up. You go look it up. Let's look it up. And so you're waiting to look it up, and one of the two people are about to have a, oh, that hurts. I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. And so, well, let's look it up. And then somebody would be wrong. And, and here's my concern with what I see happening when truth is revealed to people, especially in believers. They'll be confronted with the truth, and it will hurt, and then they'll run. Instead of saying, oh, I'm so grateful that a wise counsel came into my life. I'm so grateful that somebody loved me enough to tell me the truth and reveal this truth to me. Instead of embracing that, they run. And here's a trend that I shouldn't say, but I'm going to say, I'm getting really frustrated with seeing the way that men are handling big topics. Uh, Far too often recently, uh, as I've maybe said some things and ruffled some feathers and and some people have decided to go in other directions as a church, what's frustrating to me is it's actually the men are having the women send the email. If you're man enough to take a stand and leave the church, first of all, have a conversation with me, which you never do. But number two, 
please don't have your wife send the email. Be man enough to send the email, will you? Okay. Can I say a little bit more? It's frustrating to me when the men are supposed to be what the men are supposed to be. And when new people come to the church, I get the email from the wife or the wife catches me in the hallway and begins to describe the vision that she has for her family. Oh, you know, we want to find a church where our kids do this and do this and do this. And I don't hear anything out of the man because it shows me that it's the woman who's really leading. And I got no problem with women leading. You've heard me preach this the last couple of weeks. God didn't create women from our feet. They're not beneath us. They're at our side. Are you with me? We're perfect helpmates together. But men, you ought to have a vision for your family. And you ought to be able to stand up and have an intelligent conversation with your pastor. Are you with me? Okay. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> Let's get back to the point. We flake out. And the scripture says love covers a multitude of sins. When we mess up and someone calls out something and it's the truth, it's in love. And you're going to get better by that. Are you with me today? And so we shouldn't, we shouldn't flake and run from that. But the reality is if we don't learn how to tell each other the truth, the church is going to look really stupid to the world. Yeah. You guys remember the show What Not to Wear? What Not to Wear, you, got, you know, these people would suggest their friends to, uh, to go on the show. Oh, these people have a terrible wardrobe and, and you got to get it fixed up. And so you'd put them... Every person who went on there to get their wardrobe fixed, they all look like hipsters now. Now it's like fashion. Like everybody looks like a hipster. Anyway, you don't know what a hipster is. That's fine. I just found out this week, Jaslyn taught me what a grout, a grout fit is. Jaslyn, our younger, our bass player, she told, taught me what a grout fit is. She's like, hey, I like your grout fit. I was like, what's that? I don't know. It was what I was wearing. I didn't know. Whatever. Okay, fine. Speaking to the young people, which apparently aren't in the room right now. <laughs> But what not to wear? They're like, no, I feel good. I love this outfit. I got to go. But everybody else around that person's life was like, no, you need, you need help. <laughs> you got to get that fixed. So they bring in an objective. They bring in this truth standard, a fashion consultant. They say, hey, let's get you fixed up. It's like the American Idol contestant that can't sing at all. And it's embarrassing. And you laugh at their things as they're doing their, their tryout. But you're thinking in your mind, who in the world told them it was okay to go try out? Somebody doesn't love them. Like somebody should love them. And the concern, if we don't learn as a church to start telling each other to the truth, even when it hurts, we're going to be looking like those people. Gosh, I wish somebody would just tell the church to stop acting like that. Are you with me today? True love tells the truth at the deepest level. Uh, and I'm committed to that as your pastor. Uh, I have seen, if you study church history, and if you look at church splits and how other denominations are formed, many times at the core, uh, 